answered, he said, so he called out to him, Father Abraham, have pity on me and send Lazarus to dip the, dip his, uh, the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue because I am in agony in this fire. You don't think that if Lazarus had the ability to, to quench his thirst, that he, I mean the rich man, if he didn't have the ability to quench his thirst, he wouldn't have done it. There's no water no, no in, in heaven. I mean, no hell. No laughter. Matthew 8, 12 says, But the subjects of the kingdom were thrown outside into darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. In Revelation 14, 11, it says, The smoke of their torment will rise forever and ever. There will also be no liberty. There will be no access to God. It says they will be punished with in in First Second Thessalonians one eight through nine. It says uh, or nine, they will be punished with everlasting destruction and shut out from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of His might. The other thing that won't be there is no one that doesn't belong there. In other in other words, no one who isn't lost. For a saint can never perish. In John 6, 47, it says, Verily, truly, I tell you, the one who believes has eternal life. Eternal life in heaven. A sinner cannot avoid punishment. Luke 13, 3 says, I tell you, no, but unless you repent, you too will all perish. And so, you have the choice. You know why? You can't imagine why anybody... With these two choices of living eternity in, in heaven or eternity in hell would would cause you to uh, choose hell. You need only to trust in God. It's so simple. A child can understand this. Uh, in all this, preparing for heaven is just, you know, is, is preparing for heaven just... Securing fire insurance. You know, I've been leading the youth through a, a, a series on eternity in the last couple of months. And I'm going to borrow an illustration from Francis Chan. I want you all to imagine this rope, even though it goes just right to there. This rope goes on forever and ever and ever and ever. You think that it go to the end of the galaxy and back, and that wouldn't be enough if you think about eternity, that this rope goes. Now, this little red spot right here, that represents our life here on Earth. And we spend a lot of time in this little area right here. In fact, we work real hard right here so they can really live it good right there in the, in the very end. And we, we focus so much on the temporal without looking through all eternity. It's like we, we have bifocals. We can look at the very detail of our little bitty life here on, on earth. When we need the space Hubble to look off into eternity and see what little things, little changes here can change our, our, our world, our eternal view of God. Um, perhaps, why do we live this way? Why do we live so much for the, for the temporal? Perhaps it's because we live in such a, a society of abundance. You know, the Christians today are more prosperous than any time in history. And you know, it's sad. With all this wealth that Christians have available to them, giving is going down. 
church attendance is plummeting. And the distinction between a Christian and a non-Christian is almost insignificant. It's almost as if our Christian society has this opinion. Why would we dwell on eternity when we have everything now? You know, a proverb in Proverbs 30, the author recognized the danger, the danger of, of having so much. And he says, give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me only my daily bread. Otherwise, I may have too much and disown you and say, who is the Lord? That seems to be where we're going. We need to have that eternal view of heaven, eternal looking toward. You know, the Egyptians did. In, in the ancient Egypt, the largest pyramid in Egypt belongs to Khufu, an Egyptian pharaoh. The studies have revealed that there were over 6,700 skilled workers, no less slaves, and it took 20 years to complete and labor to build this great monument. Why did Khufu put so much, this huge effort in building himself a, a, a tomb? It's because the Egyptians believed in life after death. So much that they made preparations right here in the, in the real time. You see, God had placed eternity in their hearts. They knew. They knew there was life after death. They, but they were way off about what they believed. But they had eternity in their, in their lives, in their hearts. So, you know, these ancient uh, Egyptians, though pagan, have a very important message for us living in this, in this century. Is the time to prepare for tomorrow is today. So, how do we prepare for eternity? You know, if, if you're like my friend who thinks he's going to live in hell with all his friends, you need not do a thing. Just continue to do what, what you're doing. You, you will definitely hit your spot. But if you don't want to live in that, that destiny, destiny, then the only way is to accept Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. And just as the Egyptians knew to build this great monument, they had to start with a firm foundation. These these pyramids have lasted thousands of years. And if they were, you know, we think of the pyramids being in the desert and the sand, but you know these pyramids were put on a firm foundation or they wouldn't be there today. And Jesus even spoke about this in Matthew. Therefore, anyone who hears the words of mine and puts it in practice is like a wise man who has built his house upon the rock. We all know the VBS song and the song they sing in, in the in children's is the wise man builds his house upon the rock. And the floods come and the rains come. And when it's all done, the house stays solid. But we also know the rest of that song. Because the passage says that anybody who's not trusting, is trusting on anything less than the shed blood of Jesus Christ, is that foolish man that builds his house upon the sand. In Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 3.10, or 11, I'm sorry, no one can lay any foundation other than the foundation already laid, which is Jesus Christ. To get to heaven, you, there is no other foundation other than Jesus Christ. But do we stop there with just the foundation? I mean, how many of you know that somebody goes and builds a house 
and lays a foundation and say, that's it. That's great. That's our house. No. They hire a builder, and hopefully it's a wise builder, and he's selecting real strong and, and, and good materials. And in Corinthians, it carries on in that, in that verse, 3.12. It says, if anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stone, wood, hay, or straw, you notice that as he lists those materials out, they, they decrease in value and in strength and in worth. So do we build our house with gold and silver and costly stone, or do we spend our times in the temporal building with, with hay, wood, or straw? These materials and these work it can also be related to our treasures. Jesus says in Matthew 6, 19-21, he says, Do not store up yourself treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moths and vermin do not destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal. You know, I, I, more, I got a lesson on the temporal uh, here recently. Me and Joanna, have, for the last year, have been trying to remodel our home. We we spent years saving up for this. We have this dream of what we want our house to look like. And we spent months looking, months, months looking at materials, at floors, and 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 countertop, and cabinets, and tile, and carpet. And we, we took great care to hire what we thought were good craftsmen to come in and, and do it the way and do it correctly. And uh, but I I chose to do all the demolition myself. I'm a demo man. And I one of the things occurred to me the other day when I was when I was just ripping up floors and I was busting out cabinets. This was somebody else's treasure. This was somebody else's dream of their home. And here I was destroying it. And it was it was bound for the garbage bin. And and then I think in further that someday someone else is going to own my home and they're going to look at what me and Joanne have done and they're going to think, yeah, and they're going to want to take it out and they're going to take out and destroy that temple dream, that dream that I had. And it, 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 it came to mind how much of our treasures we, we put and they're so, they're here now and gone tomorrow. tomorrow. I borrowed from an unknown author who once said, As a boy, I thought of heaven as a city with domes, spires, and a beautiful streets inhabited by angels. By and by, my little brother died, and I thought of heaven much as before, but with one inhabitant that I knew. Then another died, and then some of my acquaintances. So in time, I began to think of heaven as containing several people that I knew. But it was not until one of my own little children died that I began to think I had treasure in heaven. I don't know about you. I don't know if you know. But there's something worse than going to heaven or going to hell. And there's something worse than going or something better than going to heaven. Now, before you throw me out of my ear as a heretic, I want to explain. And the first part comes from again Luke 16 when the rich man is is confronting Abraham he says he answers he says then I beg you father send Lazarus to my family for I have five brothers let him warn them 
so they will not come into this place of torment. Perhaps the rich man in Luke 16 was so concerned for his five brothers because he had set a bad example. And as bad and as, as hell was and the torment that he was going through, it horrified him to think that his brothers would follow follow him there. You see, there is one thing worse than going to hell. is going to hell and taking someone with you. I think about the millions of men and women that have turned their backs on God, who turned their backs on the church, who are raising children, never knowing about God, never hearing the word, the gospel. And one day they're going to face their maker, and he's going to cast them into hell. And I know their thoughts are going to be like the rich man. Oh my goodness, my children. I got to I need to warn them. And what a what a terrible tormenting thing it would be to live in hell and know that you brought your family with you. Well, as you guessed, probably guessed, there's some one thing better than going to heaven. That's going to heaven and bringing someone with you. We we spend this time on it with our families and we and we, we try to teach them and we tell them about Christ and we show them the love of Christ and we try to lead them. And if we lead them to a saving relationship with Christ, we can take them with, with us. Can you imagine? You know, they always say that uh, the funeral or the, the funeral uh, bus or the, the hearse, hearse. It uh, doesn't have a U-Haul trailer on the back of it. You, you can't take it with you. But you think about it. If you spend your time and your energy telling others about Jesus Christ, showing the love of Christ and leading them, those treasures will be there with you. Um, I always thought of heavenly treasures being godly rewards for sacrifice and, and service. You know, the crown of life, the crown of glory. But now I, I realize a heavenly treasure is can be family and friends and co-workers. And anyone that God allows me, gives me the opportunity to have an encounter with, that I can somehow share the love of Christ through that. You know, last Wednesday night, we were all sitting down for dinner, and, and the room was just just full of joy and laughter. And, and we were all sitting just enjoying ourselves. And I thought, man, this has got to be a picture of what what heaven's like. And I saw these children, these children that we've invested our time in to, to go and to bring here. And, and then I thought, these are more than just children. These are treasures. And what a privilege it is that God allowed me whatever little bit of, of what I do to help lead these little children to God and to Jesus and to be a treasure in heaven. Church, are we living in a temporal, temporal world? Are we living for the temporal? Or are we looking ahead? This isn't a go out and sell all your possessions and give it to the poor or, or quit your job and become a missionary in China, unless God tells you to. This is not one of those things. This is, this is a look at all eternity. Look down eternity and everything that you do. And every encounter that you make, have intent and purpose in your life to further the kingdom of God. We can all do that in all whatever little way that we can. And we will earn 
heavenly treasures. Perhaps you're one, you're somebody here today that haven't settled that again. That am I going to heaven or am I going to hell? You can settle that today. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, God sent his very own Son to die for you and all that you have done, all the sins. And he purchased you a place in heaven. And he offers that to you as a, a free gift. And all you have to do is turn away from what you're counting on to get you to heaven and turn to him and trust in him alone. And you could do that today. So I urge you, as Brian comes and leads us in music, to come, if you have not made that decision, and come and talk to me, and, and I'll help lead you to that, that time. So come on, come on, Brian. If you'll stand, let's sing, I Surrender All. I, John's message really resonated on the, the fact that if we're trusting Jesus for anything, or if we're trusting anything other than Jesus for our salvation, our, our hope is, is not in a good place. Your faith is only as good as the object that you put it in. Um, and faith is all about surrender. And it's really pretty easy. And we try to make faith into this lofty thing that we can't really understand.